So there's, there's line from, lines from movies and, and sentences and books and lyrics from songs that, that find a way to, to transcend time. And what I mean is, is that for many of us, we could, we could probably start one of those lines or one of those lyrics and then be able to finish it. Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to throw a couple at you. And I, and I bet that you can at least get one. And if you don't get one of these, you're probably just too young. Okay, so as far as movies go, um, hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. Prepare to die. That's right. You killed my father. Prepare to die. So a um, little, little bit of revenge, a little bit of unforgiveness for our boy there. Uh, needs to address that with the Lord. Um, just a small town girl. Right? Took the midnight train. Okay. Um, it's, it's one small step for man. Neil Armstrong. Very good. Okay. Um, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Okay, and, and if you're too young and you didn't get any of those, here, try this one. We don't talk about Bruno, no, no, no. Okay, good, good. I, I, I'm proud of us. Like, that's good. Got a good cross multiple generations there. Okay, all right, so, so Psalm 23, Psalm 23 would, would be sort of the, the biblical version of that. Like many of us have know it, like we probably couldn't say it by heart, but if you start a line of it, we could probably finish that line, right? We could, if you say a piece of it, we could probably say the rest of that verse or what have you. Uh, but this is a psalm written by a man that we know as David, and it's important to know David's background. Like you can say that he's the author, but, but it's helpful to know, for us to know something about David. It's helpful for us to have a little bit of context because context is important. So um, for example, um, the diary of Anne Frank, okay? Anne Frank, many of you know her story. Uh, she was a, a Jewish-born, German-born girl, um, moved to the Netherlands once the Hitler's regime sort of took over Germany, and, and she lived in hiding with her family. And her diary is very popular because she documented a lot of what was going on in her life and historically what's happening at the time, right? Normally, we wouldn't find much interest in the diary of a 10, 11, 12-year-old girl. If we did, that's kind of weird. But in the context that she was living, it was interesting. Like, it, was, it had historical context. And so context has a lot of meaning. And so if we know anything about King David, we know that David's life was full of incredible highs, and very tragic lows, okay? So David was anointed future king of Israel at a, at a very young age, okay? So I don't know if you could really grasp what that would be like to sort of be tapped to be the next king of a country. Uh, I can tell you that I scored a touchdown in JV football in 11th grade, and um, you couldn't touch me for two weeks, Okay? Like, I was, I was king for that long. I can't imagine what David experienced, sort of the, the clout that sort of came, came with that. And so that's, that's David anointed at a young age. We know that he went on to defeat a giant named Goliath when, when his entire army, when the king's entire army wanted no part of that, right? So I want you to imagine, men, I want you to imagine for a minute that the entire U.S. military is lined up on a field, Okay. Strategically, that wouldn't be good, but for the sake of what we're talking about, imagine the entirety of the army is lined up, and you go out and you fight the best fighter of the opposing army. 
Now, that might look different to some of us. For some of us, that might look like China, that might look like Russia, that might look like Iran, whatever the case may be, okay? Um, I think of Ivan Drago, like from Rocky IV. Like, you just go out in the middle of this field that's just you against him, and you just whip the mess out of that guy. Like, imagine, uh, Lee, imagine that's you. Like, that's going to go to your head for a while. Like, I mean, you're going to tell your great-grandkids that story. Like, this, this is what David did. Like, this is what he did. And so he is put in charge of armies. He led many military victories, became the king, ruled as king for 40 years. Like, some amazing things. And we love his story because it's sort of this, uh, this small beginning, simple beginnings, all the way up to the greatest leader uh, that, that we've really almost ever seen. But we also know that he has some tragic lows. We also know that he experienced great loss. He spent seasons of his life in hiding, hiding in caves away from this evil king that wanted to, to have him killed. Uh, this man that was almost a father figure to him uh, did not trust him, uh, was tormented by, by the devil, sought to kill David. David had his own son try to usurp the throne. David had his own son try to kill him. Okay, so I don't know uh, what kind of dad issues, father issues you may have if he didn't hug you enough, but probably never tried to usurp you, right, or usurp him or whatever, right? So a lot of dysfunction going on there. Um, not to mention David uh, did some things, um, you know, found Bathsheba. We know some of the story there. Took a man who was not his wife, had her husband killed, also lost a baby. So we see David uh, go through some really tragic things. Some of those are self-inflicted. Some of those things were out of his ability. And so this man with, with very high highs, very low lows, writes this psalm that, that is very peaceful, that is very calm, that is very still, that is, is very gentle. And so it almost seems kind of out of place for, for someone like David to write. And so what I want us to do is, uh, is I have Psalm 23 up on the screen, uh, and what I, what I thought that we could do is we, I want us to just read it together. We're in a series, we're starting a series today, in fact, on Psalm 23, and I thought that we could just walk through it together. And so would, which, could you read that with me? I know you guys are just, just kill it when it comes to reading stuff along with me, so we'll try to get through this as least awkward as possible, okay? All right, here we go. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And don't call me Shirley, right? Okay, so this, this picture that David paints is, is one of, of peace of care, of presence, the shepherd's presence is with you. And, and throughout this series, we'll be drawing comparisons to, uh, of why Jesus is our shepherd, why he is a good shepherd, and why we are like sheep. And, and you can already see this coming from all the way. That's probably not the greatest compliment that we could ever be served, is that we are like sheep. But we'll, we'll get into more of that later. But David has a very unique insight to being a shepherd. 
Because he was once a shepherd. When the prophet Samuel came to find David, what was David doing? David was tending sheep, tending his, his father's flocks. And what he understands is that the lot in life for any particular sheep depends on the person who owned him. Right? That's true of any sheep. How well that sheep does, whether that sheep will thrive, has everything to do with its owner. Some owners are gentle, some are smart, wise, and very selfless in the care that they give to their sheep. While cruel owners, cruel owners, will, their, their flocks will not prosper, their flocks will not flourish, but instead they will starve and they will struggle. And so who your shepherd is matters. Who your shepherd is matters. Who you take your cues from matters. Who you follow matters. And so when we say that the Lord is our shepherd, it kind of puts us uh, sort of in this weird role, doesn't it? Like if we say that the Lord is our shepherd, we, we tend to think, okay, then that means that we are sheep. And we are looking through the eyes of a sheep, that we are uh, using the brain of a sheep, which that could be dangerous. And, and I don't know how many of you have, have animals and have pets. And how many of you have ever had this animal and you've tried your best to take care of it? You're trying to, to help it. You're trying to give it medicine, whether you hide it in a hot dog or whether you put the pill in the dog's mouth and you sort of close the snout and sort of like work it your way down the throat, trying to get that animal to swallow that pill. Or you tried to clip their, clip their nails so they don't hurt themselves. Like there's so many times that you've probably helped your animals to, to, so that they'll be okay, so that they'll be safe, that they'll be well, but the animal doesn't quite understand it. The animal doesn't quite understand that, that you're trying to help it, that you're trying to lead it to a certain place, that you're trying to get it, get it away from the snake that could hurt it, that you're trying to move it away from uh, whatever danger it might, uh, that might come its way. And so we, we have the shepherd who's trying to take us where we need to be. And we don't always listen. And we'd like to say that the Lord is our shepherd, but that's not always the case. We, we allow other things to shepherd us and to lead us. And, and as long as we are letting other things shepherd us, we will always have wants. We will always be in want. There will always be wants that are added to us. And so if we, if we let fear shepherd us, that will lead us to worry and anxiety. And all that we will want is more assurance, more safety, more security. If we, if we let uh, comfort, if we let pleasure if we let that be our shepherd, okay, that will lead us to a place where we want more of that. And, and the wants that we have uh, will, be, will be more substance, more sex, more food, whatever the case may be, if we let that shepherd us. I mean, I think we could go on and on, couldn't we? Right? If we let money shepherd us, right, that will lead the, to the pursuit of more. I need this. I need that. I need to build this thing. If we let, if we let the trends of the day and what is popular today, if we let that be our shepherd, that will create in us this desire uh, for approval, to please everyone, and that will move us further and further away uh, from the wisdom that God has for us. And so um, when, we, when we let other things shepherd us, we will be in want for many, many things. It is only in Christ that we have the hope of saying, I shall not want. All other voices, all other leaders, all other shepherds will lead us astray. They will steal. They will lie. They will mislead me and you to places where there is no comfort, where there is no provision, where there is no care. Even those shepherds who have really good intentions will, will sell us a bill of goods 
that they cannot fill. Right? And so we, it's when those things happen. Right? It's when, we, when that's revealed. Because some of us have learned that the hard way. That we've, we've let other things shepherd us. We've let other things lead us to this place. And, and it's, not, it's not been fulfilled. It's sort of fallen apart. But it's in moments like this that God exposes those things and brings us to a place uh, where we have no choice but to trust in him. Where we have no choice but to say, okay, you, you are the shepherd and I need you to take me where I need to go. And that's what he does. He takes us where we need to be. So the first year of, of marriage for Stacey and I, and some of you have heard the story, we spent our first year of marriage in South Korea teaching English as a second language. And towards the end of our trip there, uh, my parents came to visit us. They came to spend a week with us in, in South Korea. And my parents had never traveled abroad before. Like this was their first, uh, I think my dad maybe has been down to Mexico once. I don't know if he was like dealing drugs or whatever down there. I'm not sure what the case is. But um, he, he was actually a pharmacist for a number of years. And so our pastor's joke that he would dole out once a quarter was, I got my local drug dealer back here in the corner, you know. So just trying to keep that alive for my dad who will watch the feed later. But, uh, but they never really traveled very far at all. And so for them to get on a plane uh, for, for that long, go to a country, don't speak a lick of the language, like that's, that's very uh, foreign to them, no pun intended. But um, so my, my boss wanted to send a, a driver to pick them up at the airport. I think it's because he didn't want me to, to miss work. So my parents are met with this little Korean man who had a sign with their names on it, didn't speak a lick of English. And so my parents get into this van, load their bags into this vehicle, and drive for about an hour and a half, two hours. And it's dark by the time they get to where they're going. And they pull up in this dark alley. And my dad watches this man pull out his cell phone, flip it open, okay, flip phones, and makes a call and hands him the phone. My dad doesn't know what's going on. And so I'm on the other end of the line. I said, hey, Dad, are you in a dark alley? He said, yes. I said, do you see a metal wall with trash cans lined up against it? He said, yeah. I said, perfect. You're exactly where you need to be. And that brought him a little relief, but he told me later that as soon as I walked through those doors, he had never experienced relief like that in his life. <laughs> he thought this was the end, that he, that he had been hustled. And, so, and, and that's, that's very different from my parents. My parents, they normally have a pretty good handle on situations. They're, they're rarely out of their element on certain things like that. Uh, for so much of my life, they have shepherded me. And so this was, this was an opportunity for me uh, to, to shepherd them. And so, and it took a lot of trust for them too, to go through all that, to travel halfway around the world, meet this little man, couldn't speak a lick of English. Um, and, and so here they are out of their element, feeling a little bit lost. And, and I think a lot of us can feel that way sometimes too, that we feel lost, that we feel out of our element that we don't exactly know uh, which direction life has for us. Meantime, we, we have this wonderful shepherd who meets us where we are and says, you're exactly where you need to be, and I will come get you. I will take you where you need to be. And so this is, this is the good shepherd that we have. right? In the, the companion passage, if you will, of Psalm 23, Jesus talks about shepherding and being the good shepherd in John chapter 10. 
right? So Jesus actually doubles down on this concept. It's important for us to know uh, that, that David lived around 1,000 B.C., whereas Jesus lived around 300 A.D. So they, they are not contemporaries of each other. Like, they did not meet at a coffee shop and collaborate on the Lord being a shepherd, okay? So the conversation didn't take place where Jesus says, Yo, Davy, what you working on over there? What's up, Jay Money? I'm just writing this poem about how God is my shepherd. Cool. What's it called? Psalm 23. That's a terrible name for a poem. Like That conversation didn't happen, right? So if anything, Jesus is doubling down on this concept as the Lord being the shepherd. And so what I want to read to you is, is this passage from John chapter 10. I won't read all of it. Um, I would encourage you to read the chapter because it's, it's just loaded with this significance. But this is what John 10.10 10 starts with. It says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Not just a regular life, but an abundant life. Verse 11 I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is hired, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and I know, I know my own and they and my own know me. So, Again, you have, you have Jesus making this claim, right? As, Div, as, as David talks about the Lord is my shepherd, Jesus very subtly saying, I am the good shepherd, I am your Lord. And this is another step that he takes in revealing who he is as the Messiah. And so any other shepherd, any other hired hand, maybe they're in it for the money, but at the first sign of trouble, drop what they're doing. At the first sign of trouble, will abandon you at the first sign of something not going right, will leave you high and dry. But the good shepherd does not. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He lays down his life for me and for you. And so here in a moment, we'll, we'll take Holy Communion together. And, and when we talk about the juice and when we talk about the bread, we remember that, that Jesus is our good shepherd, that he is not some hired hand, but instead he is a shepherd that lays down his life for us. And we celebrate that. We remember that, that Jesus went to the cross to forgive us of our sins, to wash us clean. And as we take it, I want you to remember that, but I also want you to, to be reminded that, that Jesus not only is a good shepherd, but he, he is a good shepherd to Gary. He's a good shepherd to Buddy. He's a good shepherd to Curtis. He's a good shepherd to you and to me and not just someone else because I think that's one of the biggest lies that, that we believe is that, that God is good and that Jesus is for us and that, yes, he is for us, but maybe not always just for me when the truth is that he is a good shepherd to all of us. So let me pray for us. Father, I thank you that you are the good shepherd and, and Lord, I pray that you would help us to identify in our lives where we have followed false shepherds. God, I pray that, that you would expose those to us. God, I pray that you would uh, lead us uh, to, to your face, that you would lead us to your presence. And as we, as we take communion, Lord, I pray uh, that you would impress this on our hearts and, and that you would pinpoint some of these changes that we might need to make in our thinking and in our lives where we have elevated things above you 
and where we have, where we have followed the cues, where we have followed uh, the, the, the places that this world wants to take us, Lord. And God, may we say uh, with all of our hearts that, that the Lord is my shepherd. And because of that, I shall not be in want. And so, Father, I thank you for this morning. We pray and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.